we all come in greeting one another, another good morning. And uh, that's just good habit, I guess, because we're used to seeing each other in the mornings. But yes, uh, wonderful Lord's Day to you all. It's a joy to be here with you. I'm uh, one of the pastors at uh, Redeemer Church in Cedar Woolley. I think last time I was here, I was uh, an elder candidate. And uh, just this few months ago, our uh, body affirmed myself and uh, some other uh, men as elders in our church. And it is a great joy um, to serve God's people in that capacity. And when Mark had said that he and Donna were going to be out of town, and if I would like to come and share, absolutely, as a joy to deliver God's word uh, to his people. Uh, would you join me in prayer once more as we come to God's word this morning? Heavenly Father, it is under your word that we desire to be. Lord, it is your word that is truth. Lord, you, you lead us in all truth, by the word that you have spoken. I pray, Lord, this morning that um, as we come to this text and as we come, Lord, to your word, that the preacher would fade away and that the good shepherd's voice would be heard and received and understood. God, as we hear from you, that you by your spirit would enable us to go out from here and live as you have called us to live. Lord, we love you. We praise you in your name. Amen. If you would turn with me to Lamentations chapter 3. One of the difficulties sometimes of, maybe not sometimes, but all the time of, of coming in when uh, a fellowship is running through a particular book or a particular study for a guest preacher is to come in on the heels of that and... Uh, Thankfully, Mark said, you know, whatever the Lord lays on your heart to do. And I had finished studying uh, Lamentations recently and was uh, very encouraged through it. And so I hope this morning we can find encouragement together in God's word. I had put originally verses 22, uh, Lamentations chapter 3, verses 22 through 24. And as I was studying, I I thought it would be appropriate to go back a few more verses. And so I'm going to read, uh, beginning in verse 19 of Lamentations chapter 3. Hear the word of the Lord. Remember my affliction and my wanderings, the wormwood and the gall. My soul continually remembers it and is bowed down within me. But this I call to mind. And therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore I will hope in him. This is one of those verses that you may find in gift shops. And uh, on T-shirts and keychains, it's a wonderful verse. And there's a great deal of encouragement, but it's important to understand the context in which the prophet Jeremiah is writing this. And it's not one of peace. It's not one of joy. The prophet Isaiah 
the weeping prophet, makes this declaration out of a state of incredible pain and anguish. If we turn a page over or two over to chapter 1, Lamentations begins in chapter 1, verse 1, like this. How lonely sits the city that was full of people. How like a widow has she become. She who was great among the nations, she who was a princess among the provinces, has become a slave. How do we get here? How do we get to this place? We'll be flipping around quite a bit, and my wonderful wife reminds me often that I, I flip too quickly. So I, I will seek to give you a chance. But there are a lot of passages I think that it would be very helpful for us today to examine when we come to this text as we consider the context. The southern kingdom, again, Israel having been divided into the northern and southern kingdom, the ten northern tribes and the two southern tribes. And Jerusalem was located in the southern kingdom. And Jeremiah is prophesying, he's lamenting over events that took place in 580s, 586, roughly B.C. The southern kingdom consisted of the tribes of Reuben, Simeon, Manasseh, Issachar, Zebulun, Ephraim, Dan, Asher, Naphtali, and Gad. That's the northern kingdom. And Isaiah, who was about 100 years, a little more than 100 years before Jeremiah, prophesied to the northern kingdom leading up to their captivity from Assyria. About 100 years later, Jeremiah is prophesying to the to the southern kingdom which consisted of the tribes of Judah and Benjamin it's important that we get the context so one of the first places we're going to turn to if you would really quick turn to 1st kings chapter 12 most Conservative theologians believe that Jeremiah is most likely the author of the book of Kings. Um, Jeremiah, Lamentations. And I agree with them, though not a scholar myself. I, I do think that that is a very uh, likely conclusion. But in, in 1 Kings chapter 12, beginning in verse 12. We read this, so Jeroboam and all the people came to Rehoboam the third day, as the king said, come to me again the third day. And the king answered the people harshly and forsaking the counsel that the old men had given him. He spoke to them according to the counsel of the young men, saying, my father made your yoke heavy, but I will add to your yoke. My father disciplined you with whips, but I will discipline you with scorpions. So the king did not listen to the people, for it was a turn of affairs brought about by the Lord that he might fulfill his word, which the Lord spoke by Ahijah the Shilonite to Jeroboam the son of Nebat. 
And when all Israel saw that the king did not listen to them, the people answered the king, What portion do we have in David? We have no inheritance in the son of Jesse. To your tents, O Israel, now look to your own house, David. So Israel went to their tents. But Rehoboam reigned over the people of Israel who lived in the cities of Judah. Divide in the kingdom had begun before this, but this is safe to say a a pretty easy place to see where the division between the northern and the southern tribes takes place. Because really after this point, although there will be some alliances between northern kings and southern kings, for the most part, the kingdom from this point is divided. And then even in that division, both the northern kingdom and both the southern kingdom will separate themselves from the Almighty through their continued sin. Jerusalem, the capital of the southern kingdom, is where the temple is located. If you remember in John's Gospel, in in chapter 4, and the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman, and remember her dialogue with Jesus, and she says, you know, you, you Jews say that we're to worship at the temple. But they, we worship on the mountain. She's having this dialogue with the Lord. Well, that is, the Samaritans were a part of what would be considered the northern kingdom. They had been intermixed um, with uh, other nations, and the Jews did not consider Samaritans Jews. And in all fairness, the Samaritans didn't consider themselves Jews, although that was their heritage. And so we're talking about a significant amount of time. Um, So of, of the players in our context, we have Judah. And that is who Jeremiah is lamenting over, is Judah. The other person in the context of Lamentations 3 is Babylon. Babylon was the instrument of judgment that God used to judge Judah the southern tribe, for the rebellion. So since we're close, let's um, hop over really quick from, if you're still in 1 Kings, now we're going to jump over to 2 Kings, uh, chapter 25. It's important that we grasp the... uh, context here. Oh, I probably... See, I'll give you right there. I forgot to put one of my notes in there, so you're going to get more time to turn. <laughs> Second Kings, uh, chapter twenty. I'm old school. I have to use paper notes, and I write my notes with pencil and sometimes pen. And uh, one of our pastors, he does everything on his iPad, and he can just pull stuff in. He's got all of his notes. I can't do that. He's a young, he's a young fella. All right, in Second Kings chapter twenty, uh, beginning in verse twelve, at that time, Merodach Baladan, the son of Baladan, king of Babylon, sent envoys with letters and a present to Hezekiah, for he heard that Hezekiah had been sick, and Hezekiah welcomed him, and he showed him all the treasure house, the silver, the gold, the spices, 
the precious oil, his armory, and all that was found in his storehouses. There was nothing in his house or in all of his realm that Hezekiah did not show them. Then Isaiah the prophet came to King Hezekiah and said to him, What did these men say? And from where did they come? And Hezekiah said, They have come from a far country, from Babylon. And he said, What have they seen in your house? And Hezekiah answered, They have seen all that is in my house. There is nothing in my storehouses that I did not show them. Then Isaiah said to Hezekiah, Hear the word of the Lord. Behold, the days are coming when all that is in your house and that which your fathers have stored up till this day shall be carried to Babylon. Nothing shall be left, says the Lord. And some of your own sons who will come from you, whom you will father, shall be stricken away. And they shall be eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. This prophecy of Isaiah is what Jeremiah is lamenting. If you turn over really quick to Jeremiah chapter 25. In Jeremiah 25, verses 1 through 9. Jeremiah 25, we read this, The word that came to Jeremiah concerning all the people of Judah in the fourth year of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah. That was the first year of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, which Jeremiah the prophet spoke to all the people of Judah and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem. For 23 years, from the 13th year of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah, to this day the word of the Lord has come to me, and I have spoken persistently to you but you have not listened you've neither listened nor inclined your ears to hear although the lord persistently sent to you all of his servants the prophets saying turn now every one of you from his evil way and evil deeds and dwell upon the land that the lord has given to you and your fathers from of old and forever do not go after other gods to serve and worship them or provoke me to anger with the work of your hands. Then I will do, no, do you no harm. Yet you have not listened to me, declares the Lord, that you might provoke me to anger, or the work of your hands to do your own harm. Therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, because you have not obeyed my words, behold, I will send for all the tribes of the north, declares the Lord, and Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, my servant, And I will bring them against this land and its inhabitants and against all these surrounding nations. I will devote them to destruction and make them a horror, a hissing, an everlasting desolation. This is the judgment that God speaks against Judah for their sin. In 597, Nebuchadnezzar deposed King Jeconiah and had his uncle Matanayu installed, changing his name to Zedekiah. That's probably the name you're familiar with. In 2 Kings 24, 17 is where we read of that. And Jeremiah was Zedekiah's chief counsel. But Zedekiah didn't listen to the prophet. And he did evil in the sight of the Lord. And Zedekiah rebelled against Nebuchadnezzar by entering into an alliance with Pharaoh Hophra of Egypt. In 587, Nebuchadnezzar sacked Jerusalem. 
and he took his captives back to Babylon along with the spoil, many of the young men and women. So that's Babylon's role in God's judgment. Not unlike God using Assyria to judge the northern tribes. We read about that in Isaiah's uh, book of prophecies. And so Jeremiah is the third element of our, of our text that we need to consider. So we have Judah, the southern tribe. We have Babylon, God's instrument of judgment. And we have this prophet, Jeremiah. Jeremiah never failed to speak God's word to the people. And even though he believed in God through faith, he suffered along with the wicked. That is something to keep in mind. Jeremiah was a faithful servant of God. He obeyed God. He declared the word of the Lord to the people in their rebellion. But as you read about the life of Jeremiah, he was not spared persecution for his faithfulness. He endured along with the wicked. He was taken as captive and then released. No one believed in his message. We've, we've all heard of Jeremiah. And he's a wonderful testament to faithfulness and, and perseverance through much persecution. This book of Lamentations, this short five-chapter book, are actually five poems. And we've taken the name Lamentations, I believe, is the um, means to weep or to wail. But Jeremiah says this, in, in Jeremiah thirteen seventeen. it says, If you will not listen, my soul will weep in secret for your pride. My eyes will weep bitterly and run down with tears because the Lord's flock has been taken captive. This is the heart of the man that we're reading about. So in our context, we have Judah in rebellion, Babylon, the instrument of judgment, and Jeremiah, the faithful prophet. So how did we get here? How did all this come about? If you would turn again to Second Kings chapter 17. Second Kings chapter 17, beginning in verse 6. And what is being recorded here is the fall of Israel. And in verse 6 we read, In the ninth year of Hosea, the king of Assyria, he captured Samaria, and he carried the Israelites away to Assyria and placed them in Halah. And on the harbor, the river of Gozan, and in the cities of the Medes. Verse 7, And this occurred because the people of Israel had sinned against the Lord their God, who had brought them up out of the land of Egypt, from under the land of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and had feared other gods, and walked in the customs of the nations whom the Lord drove out before the people of Israel. And in the customs that the kings of Israel had practiced, and the people of Israel did secretly against the Lord their God things that were not right. Now listen, tune in here. This is the, this is the reason for God's judgment. They built for themselves high places in all their towns. From watchtower to fortified city. Verse 10. They set up for themselves pillars 
in Asherim on every high hill and under every green tree. And there they made offerings on the high places, as the nations did to whom the Lord carried away before them. And they did wicked things, provoking the Lord to anger. And they served idols, of which the Lord said to them, You shall not do this. Yet the Lord warned Israel and Judah by every prophet and every seer, saying, Turn from your evil ways. Keep my commandments and my statutes in accordance with all the law that I commanded your fathers. And I sent to you by my servants, the prophets. Verse 14, but they would not listen. They were stubborn as their fathers had been, who did not believe the Lord their God. They despised his statutes and his covenant that he made with their fathers and the warnings that he gave them. They went after false idols and became false. They followed the nations that were around them concerning whom the Lord had commanded them that they should not do like them. And they abandoned all the commandments of the Lord their God and made for themselves metal images of two calves. And they made an Asherah and worshipped all the host of heaven and served Baal. And they burned their sons and their daughters as offerings. And they used divination and omens and sold themselves to do evil in the sight of the Lord, provoking him to anger. Therefore the Lord was very angry with Israel and removed them out of his sight. None was left but the tribe of Judah only. Judah also did not keep commandments of the Lord their God, but walked in the customs that Israel had introduced. So we have a recording here in 2 Kings 17 of Israel's sin. And the prophet goes into great detail to show, really, you know, you could get lost in this list of sins. And yet in the middle of that narrative, we have God pleading with them to turn back, to repent. And so this northern kingdom goes into judgment. Judah's sin is recorded in Jeremiah 17 through 21. And I will not read all of that this morning, but I would encourage you to go back and read that, Jeremiah 17 through 21. Israel failed to keep God's covenant. They failed to obey the word of the Lord. And it would be unrighteous of God to give them a pass. If you turn over really quick to Deuteronomy chapter 28, I promise not too many more turnings, but it's important that we get the historical context and understanding as we uh, examine Lamentations 3. So in Deuteronomy 28, beginning in verse 58, Deuteronomy 28, beginning in verse 58, we read this, If you are not careful to do all the words of this law, that are written in this book, that you may fear this glorious and awesome name, the Lord your God. Then the Lord will bring on you and your offspring extraordinary afflictions, afflictions severe and lasting, and sicknesses grievous and lasting. Verse 60, And he will bring upon you again all the diseases of Egypt, of which you were afraid, and they shall cling to you. 
Every sickness also and every affliction that is not recorded in the book of this law, the Lord will bring upon you until you are destroyed. Whereas you were as numerous as the stars of heaven, you shall be left few in number, because you did not obey the voice of the Lord your God. And as the Lord took delight in doing you good and multiplying you, so the Lord will take delight in bringing ruin upon you and destroying you. And you shall be plucked off the land that you are entering to take possession of it. And the Lord will scatter you among the peoples from one end of the earth to the other. And there you shall serve other gods of wood and stone, which neither you nor your fathers have known. And among these nations you shall find no respite. And there shall be no resting place for the sole of your foot. But the Lord will give you there a trembling heart and failing eyes and a languishing soul. It's important to remember that this is the word of the Lord delivered to the people by the prophet Moses some 900 years before Judah's judgment. In Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 26, we read this, I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that you will soon utterly perish from the land that you are going over the Jordan to possess. You will not live long in it but will be utterly destroyed and the Lord will scatter you among the peoples and you will be left few in number among the nations where the Lord will drive you. And there you will serve gods of wood and stone, the work of human hands that neither see nor hear nor eat nor smell. But from there you will seek the Lord your God and you will find him. If you search after him with all of your heart and with all of your soul, When you are in tribulation and all these things come upon you in the latter days, you will return to the Lord your God and obey his voice. For the Lord your God is a merciful God. and He will not leave you or destroy you or forget the covenant with your fathers that he swore to them. So in the midst of God's warning, as God delivers his law to the people and the warnings, He reminds them of his love and his mercy, his faithfulness in spite of their unfaithfulness. And Jeremiah makes this, I think he's called to remember, you know, the first two chapters of Lamentations are really just that. It's a weeping and a crying out over the state of Judah in the rebellion against God. And you come to chapter 3 and, you know, this kind of verse 1 of chapter 3 is very telling of Jeremiah's, where his soul is. He says, I am the man who has seen affliction under the rod of his wrath. He has driven and brought me into darkness without any light. Surely against me he turns his hand again and again the whole day long. Jeremiah is not in a blimp over the nation watching these things transpire. He's in the midst of it. He knows these people in the city. Babylon laid siege to Jerusalem. 
the first time. And really the goal of the siege was to break them. So you didn't have to really, besides building some earthen works and stuff to keep people contained in the city, it was really a, a matter of waiting them out. But when Zedekiah rebelled later on, there was no mercy from Babylon. They laid the city waste. People were burned, tortured, absolute plunder and destruction. And it was to send a message. Babylon would say, well, no more. Now it's done with. So it's, it's that context that Jeremiah makes this very profound statement. Again, in verse 19 of Lamentations 3, he says, Remember my affliction and my wanderings, the wormwood and the gall. My soul continually remembers it. He is bowed down within me. Then he stops. And in verse 21, he says, But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. If you could be driven to a point of despair, this would be it. If you could be driven to a place to lose sight of who God is, this would be it. And there's a few things that Jeremiah makes note of as we continue that God's love is steadfast. It never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. These truths about God are a part of God's character. God who does not change. There's two things that kind of stuck out to me about this and what I believe, and this is a little more of my conjecture, but what I believe some of what Jeremiah is calling to mind is that wonderful history of God's people and God's faithfulness. So we're going to consider a few of those examples. God's love to Adam and Eve. In Genesis 3.21, it says, And the Lord God made for Adam and his wife garments of skin, and he clothed them. God loved and cared for Adam and Eve even in their rebellion against him. And he provided coverings for them. He provided a way. As we have read in Ezekiel, the soul that sins shall die. So we have an example all the way back in the beginning with Adam and Eve. Maybe Jeremiah would have thought of God's love to Noah. In Genesis 8.1 we read, But God remembered Noah. In a world that was, think about that. Some people have estimated, some scholars have estimated that it's it's possible that at the rate at which people were living, that there could have been upwards of three to four billion people at the time of the flood. Now we don't know, but there was certainly a world full of people. 
and God destroyed the earth, except for eight. God remembered Noah. Abraham, in Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, we we read, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country, your kindred, and your father's house to the land I will show you. And I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. It was God who called Abram out of the land of the Chaldeans. God's love to Isaac in Genesis 26. In Genesis 26, 4, we read, I will multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven, and I will give to your offspring all these lands. And in your offspring, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. God's promise to Abraham, his promise to Isaac, his promise to Jacob, God's faithfulness, it's the same. In Genesis 28, verse 14, we read, Your offspring, and this is God's promise to Jacob, your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in you and your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. And maybe another one that Jeremiah had considered was God's faithfulness to Joseph. In Genesis 39.2, we read, The Lord was with Joseph, and he became a successful man, and he was in the house of his Egyptian master. What and all that Jeremiah was recalling to mind, I don't know. But I'm sure that there was probably some of these men, some of these people that he was recalling to mind of God's faithfulness and the example that was before them. And something to remember about Joseph is that God was with him. God was faithfully taking Joseph through to accomplish his purposes. But was Joseph free from trial or persecution through that process (laughs) no we 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 read the end of genesis what does joseph tell his brothers what you meant for evil god meant for good that he might save many people alive so those are a few examples i think all of those examples are testaments not only to god's love but his mercy Every one of those men that I read to you, every one of them were recipients of God's love and God's mercy. I think as we consider that, as we read earlier in in Deuteronomy 4, in 431, for the Lord your God is a merciful God who will not leave you or destroy you. Or forget the covenant with your fathers that he swore to them. It's God's character. He's unchanging. There's three things I wanted to consider as we came to this passage today. And maybe before the three, um, 
this was something I, I put in there, was kind of on my heart last night, but in Malachi 3, 6 through 7a, we read, For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. From the days of your fathers you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. But because God does not change, his mercy, his faithfulness continues. And that's what, that's what Jeremiah is trusting in. He knows that the judgment they're under is right and good. He knows this. And yet, he says, I have hope. Why? Because the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. Because his mercies never come to an end. There's three things that Let me let me take that back. There's three things I considered in this short little study. But I'm sure that there are many, many more. This is not exhaustive. But there are three things I think stood out to me that would be helpful for us as we seek to apply this as the people of God. One in Jeremiah's example of faithfully pro- proclaiming God's truth to a wicked world, to a wicked nation, that we would proclaim God's truth to a wicked and rebellious world. In Matthew 5.10, Jesus says, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. It's not my goal to make this about us in America. It is the nation in which we live. It is a nation upon this earth that God has chosen from amongst it people for his good pleasure. It is a nation that, for the most part, was founded by godly men seeking reprieve from religious persecution. Not all of them, but many of them. And I don't have to read the news headlines to you. You live in this world as I do. It is a world here in the United States that abhors God, abhors the things of God. In the midst of sin and rebellion, we must boldly proclaim the word of the Lord, as Jeremiah did. Because God is a God of steadfast love and mercy. And he's a righteous God. So one is that I need to, in the nation where I live, proclaim the truth of God. As Jeremiah did to his nation. And call them to repentance. Two. Weep with compassion. For the lost and rebellious sinner. There's an element of Jeremiah's character that I don't see in myself. Enough. A willingness to weep over those who continue in rebellion against God. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, the Apostle Paul says this, beginning in verse 9. 
Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But you are washed. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I need to remember that. Such was I. Such were you. And I think when we recall to mind what God has saved us from, we can weep like Jeremiah. We can weep over those family, those friends, co-workers, people we know, maybe people we don't know, but we see from afar. We need to be people who are so concerned for the lost in our nation that we weep and we plead and pray for God's mercy. The third example I really drew from this might be the hardest of the three. And that's that element of hope. Hope in the unchanging love and mercy of God. We must rest in the hope of God's unchanging love and mercy, just as Jeremiah rested in that hope of his sovereign rule and reign over his creation. I think part of why this can be difficult, if I am honest with myself, is I, I don't rest in that hope. And Jeremiah uses this language. He says, I call to mind, therefore I have hope. I'm resting in the unchanging character of God who has displayed his faithfulness over and over and over again. And it's hard when I'm confronted with anxiety to hope in the unchangeableness of God. When I'm overcome with grief over sin, it's hard to remember and have hope. When the sin and rebellion of the lost drive us to despair, it's hard to remember to hope in God's promise. But I want to be a faithful servant of God. I want to be faithful in proclaiming, in weeping and grieving, in hoping. I read an interesting little tidbit. You all are familiar with the destruction of Pompeii. Uh, Somewhat, right? 79 AD and... The city of Pompeii was a Roman city in Italy. It was destroyed by Mount Vesuvius, right? What I didn't know is I knew that the city had been buried in ash. Many places of the city were up to 20 feet deep of ash. And as archaeologists were kind of digging away the layers of ash and sediment that had settled over time, they found within cellars of what had been buildings preserved 
remains of inhabitants of the city. And it appeared as if they were seeking shelter. They knew it was happening, right? There would have been earthquakes and signs leading up to up to the eruption, but they found in rooms and in little coves and things people hiding from the destruction. But you know what else they found? And what they excavated to be one of the main city gates. There were the remains of a Roman sentinel guard still clinging to his weapon at his post. Undoubtedly, he would have felt the earthquake, seen the ash. He was a faithful soldier, and he did not leave his post. Jeremiah was faithful to stay in his post, to speak the truth of God. And I really believe that Jeremiah is, verse 24 says, The Lord is my portion, says my soul, therefore I hope in him. Brothers and sisters, as we are going to be living with the wicked until the Lord takes us home. That we would live as Christ. That we would have the compassion of Christ for the lost. And even a a small amount of, of Jeremiah's faithfulness to remember and hope in the steadfast, unchanging character of God. And then when we can say in anxiety, we can say in despair and fear, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They're new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. Let's pray. Lord God, we are not sufficient for these things. Lord, though we desire, I desire to obey you. Lord, to be bold in the gospel, to weep over sin. Lord, to hope in you. I find often, Lord, that I am weak. Lord, I pray that you would strengthen each one of us to be faithful servants of you. To stand the post to proclaim the truth that is forgiveness in Jesus Christ. And God, in the wickedness and rebellion against you that is all around us, that we would be salt, Lord God, that we would be light. We pray and ask these things in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.